It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, February 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is ready for the All-Star game. Yay. Tell us how you really feel, Russ. All right. We are going to talk All-Star game. We're going to talk about Owen Tippett and get us ready for trade deadline season all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with the grumpy, as always, Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Keep up to date on our episodes, Flyers news, all that good stuff. You can email the show at LockdownFlyers at Gmail to get your mailbag questions answered. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On. That's all one word today to get started. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Plus we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Russ, uh, you you sounded enthusiastic about All-Star Weekend. No, I mean, look, I've covered a bunch of All-Star games and I like them, but I just feel like some of the excitement's been pulled out of this one. Like Connor McDavid, I don't want to do the fastest skater. Well, you're the fastest skater. Just do it. What is so hard about that? And I wanted to see Tage Thompson in the fat, hardest shot. Now we're not going to see Tage Thompson. Matty Beniers would have been great to see. Now we're not going to see Matty Beniers. Like, it's like, you know, some of the things I was looking forward to were like pulled away from me. Yeah, Tage Thompson is out because he's injured. So uh, Rasmus Stalin is in for the Sabres in the Atlantic division. I think that's a great substitute because Darlene, frankly, should have been there in the first. Yeah, place. that's a good one. I have no qualms about that. Yeah, it's the Seattle thing is kind of an issue with me, yes. too, because they didn't get another p- player from the Kraken into the game. So there's no Seattle representative. How about Jared McCann? Doesn't he have like 20 goals? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, they could have even given a bone to Martin Jones or something. Yeah, I mean, like, Chandler Stevenson, really? Like, all of a sudden, that's he's an all-star? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Vegas gets an extra representative there. Yeah, McCann's got 23 uh, they, goals. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, that maybe there was, you know, a late availability problem, but uh, I think it is unfortunate to only have the mascot as, as the lone representative from seattle that is bizarre our weekend yeah yeah that's weird we did get some additional insight into the skills competition portions of it and uh they announced which i think was super late uh to do so to get people interested in it but like late on Thursday afternoon is when they released who was going to be participating in each competition. Well, let me tell you one thing. Um, I was once in on a meeting with the NHLPA and they were asking us what we liked and didn't like for all-star game competitions and such. And we gave ideas. 
I think a lot of times it, it comes down to them having brainstorming sessions uh, with the players and, and the league and deciding what they want to do. So I think I have an understanding as to why sometimes these things happen late. They really are trying to just put out the most entertaining thing, honestly. I know it may not seem that way, but it, they are. Yeah, well, uh, we had some specialty competitions when it was out in Vegas uh, with the Bellagio Fountain mm -hmm. competition and, and all of that. So for Florida, uh, I came up with a golf theme, yeah. obviously, because like, what else are you going to do? But um, so they have this pitch and putt competition where there's basically a golf hole um, and they use pucks and balls uh, on this mini course. And uh, so I think that should be interesting. Yeah, players will like that. Else. Most hockey players love golf. So, like, that's fun. And, yeah, I think, like, look, do I think it fell short in um, the Bellagio? Yeah, because it was hard to see. There was some clunkiness with this. But I think this has a chance of, of being really entertaining. Yeah, the other one is a splash shot, which they have already completed. Uh, it was a pre-taped competition. And we'll find out who won uh, tonight. But uh, that is like really a, a dunk tank competition where okay. shooters have to uh, hit targets like an accuracy shot in order to dunk people. I love dunk water. tanks. So, I was at Bush yeah. Gardens once in Virginia and you throw the balls and, you know, and so I, I dunked the guy and the guy was like, you're standing too close. You're cheating. Go further back. I went further back. I dunked them again. It was great. I had so much fun doing that. So I liked seeing players get dunked. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So that one looks like fun. And then they decided to switch things up with the goaltenders this time around, uh, which there, it's a complicated set of rules, but I think it'll turn out good in the end. So each of the goalie pairs from the divisions will like compete in these teams of two, one of which has to shoot and the other one is the goalie. So the shooting okay. goalie um, has to, will get points sort of, I would guess like skee-ball style in terms okay. of like where they place the puck. And then um, based on the points they get, will determine the number of shooters, uh, like actual shooters that the other goalie will have to face. And that that's where they brought in some of the women that they've okay. invited to the competition. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, they have uh, several players from the PWHPA and uh, PHF. So we have Alex Carpenter, Hillary Knight, Emily Clark, Rebecca Johnson, and Sarah Nurse. Yeah, all, all of which are fantastic. Perfect players. Yeah, so that that's good. I'll tell you, for this competition, I feel bad for Rick DiPietro because years ago, he always wanted to take part in some sort of offensive part of the game. He'd have loved this. Right. He actually tried to just get in the game as a skater, and they wouldn't allow it. And that's like, why? Uh, it would have been fun. But at least now, you know, we're embracing goalies shooting a little more. Uh, let's face it, even in, in games now, we're seeing goalies going for, for goals a little more. Like, it's, you know, goalies are getting more assists than they used to. Like, it's becoming a thing, and I like it. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, night of we'll have our typical competitions like the hardest shot, mm -hmm. um, fastest skater, all of that. And then the accuracy competition, which is where uh, Kevin Hayes is participating. Yeah, I don't know if he stands much of a chance looking at the field there. No, 
I know. It's like Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Vladimir Tarasenko. Jack Hughes. He's Jack very Hughes. Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> like, Good luck, Kevin. This is going to be hard. I know. I know. I, I really thought he was going to do the golf one, but I guess he wasn't high enough on the list to get to choose right. to do that or, or whatnot. Yeah, he might but have done I better with the golf. Yeah, my favorite aspect of the quote-unquote regular competitions is the breakaway challenge and you know that's always a fun one mm-hmm. yeah, and in this one Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby are teaming up oh that's entry. great love it and they've got Roberto Luongo in net as a celebrity goaltender oh that I, as well see I just so he's gonna chirp the whole time yeah, it's gonna be fun. don't get like, hurt that whole thing just, will be fun. I just don't want him to get hurt that's all <laughs> yeah but there's other like fun guys in that one as well with Mitch Barner David Pasternak and Matthew Kachuk oh yeah yeah if they so, mic them up it'll be great they're entertaining yeah at least yeah see this that one I do see a lot of potential for goofiness and I like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one should be a ton of fun, and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. The game itself is what it is with the three on three. You know, we've seen it for you know a few years now, so I'm not sure there'll be anything especially interesting or fun to come out of that. But at least the skills competition, I think, will be uh, a little bit out of the ordinary from past years. Skills is what I like best at this point because it does show more individuality and and yeah. personalities and just general fun. Because this should be fun. Like, that's, that's the whole mm-hmm. point of it. It should be fun. It should be fun for the players. It should be fun for the fans to watch. Exactly. All right, we are going to switch gears and talk about another one of our player deep dives that we have been doing this week. We got a request to talk about Owen Tippett uh, from over on YouTube, and we are going to do that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at the Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on the Super Bowl with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a, a touchdown. I always like the prop bets. I, you know, I might even, you know, consider vote, you know, betting on like who scores the first touchdown. That is always fun because it's unpredictable. The FanDuel Sportsbook is app app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get your winnings paid instantly. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, Russ, Owen Tippett. Uh, he has been uh, a really, I think, welcome addition to the Flyers in a little bit of an unexpected way. Obviously, as we recall, uh, we acquired Tippett last year as part of the Claude Giroux deal, and Chuck Fletcher made it a point to say that Tippett was a key part of that deal and was somebody Mm -hmm. that he was interested in 
And he had been struggling to kind of stay at the NHL level in the Florida system. Uh, I would say, like, as an individual, this has turned out to be a really good thing for Owen Tippett. You know, he's still young. He's about to turn 24. He's only played 161 NHL games so far. So in theory, he should have a lot more room to grow here. Yeah, I I don't know how much more growing. I mean, I think he uh, can build on this a little bit. I still kind of question whether he's really going to be a second line player. Like this is, we have to sort of take this into account and say, hey, He's getting a lot of ice time, which is fine. He still might get a lot even as a third liner, but he's getting a lot of ice time, a ton of power play, and all all these opportunities. And and he's earned a lot of them. Don't get me wrong, but as the team gets better, the, the question's going to be, is he still going to be in line for those things? And right now, he's having a good year. It'll obviously be his best year. I don't know. Is he ever going to be a 50-point guy? That's That's the question because, again – that's where I think he needs to be if he's going to be a second line guy. Like I think you need to be a 50 point guy and right this year he'll fall a little short. So maybe, you know, with the growth you're talking about, that's what we're shooting for, but I don't think we're shooting for anything beyond that. Yeah. I mean, I would see him eventually, you know, assuming the flyers can fill out their roster a little better with higher end players that he would settle out in that third line and move up when necessary. Right. That, that's honestly where I, I see him. And I think that's a good spot for him based on what his play has turned into. Uh, you mentioned he's had having his best season so far, 14 goals, 14 assists uh, this season in 46 games played, which is already a career high in points and goals. Uh, last season, he only had 11 total. So that is a significant improvement. Um, you can see him fitting into the Tortorella system really mm-hmm. well here. Um, he's blocking a ton of shots, whereas he just didn't do any of that before. No. Um, you know, he's got 34 block shots so far, and he had 16 total last season between the Flyers and Florida. Um, and I, I think he's in a good spot, you know, from puck possession perspectives, uh, 28 takeaways uh, to 14 giveaways. So he is really active and in, in you know, and you can see that out there. He's try- he's active in trying to steal the puck away from opposing teams. He is. There's something. There's some things that don't show up on the stat sheet. So as as an example, uh, I still think, especially when he's just getting the puck in the offensive zone, he's still a little too easy to knock off the puck. I see guys doing it mm-hmm. to him pretty regularly, even though he's a big guy. I think this has more to do with shielding the puck than it does strength. And I think they need to work with him on that because while his you know possession metrics are good, they could be even better if, if he actually was able to do this. And if he's able to do this, it would lead to more points because then I think he would be able to get you know more assists that way. So I think I think that's something. And I still see the lazy penalty. He's got to stop with the lazy penalties because that could cost him ice time with John Tortorella in the future. I think those are the two big things he's got to work on right now. Yeah. You know, you mentioned his metrics right now, his goals above expected are in the positive for the first time in his career, but it's yeah. like only 2.3. So it's, it's positive, but it's still low. So you're right. There is room for improvement there for sure. And I think, you know, in addition to, you know, carrying the puck in with, uh, you know, more puck protection, like you mentioned, 
I think the other big thing is getting better shots on net. And that was a huge part of what we talked about with his game preseason. Yes. That he needed to get more shots. And he is, but he needs to get a higher percentage of unblocked shots to be on net. That is the missing link here for him. And he's getting better at it, but he's still not where he needs to be in terms of that accuracy. Well, and the other missing link is getting more power play goals. He's got four. He's got the ability to have more than that at this time of the year. Like, that's the other thing. I mean, the Flyers' power play is just Drek to begin with. But uh, otherwise, I think he could improve I think that's a subset of getting the unblocked shots to be on net, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the power play, because, you know, in theory, you're getting better shooting lanes when you're a man up. And so he should be able to get more of those shots on net. Yeah. But, you know, I do think he's being used okay in those power play situations. Well, now he's being used okay for, there was a three-week period where he wasn't. And, uh, you know, that's been a huge part of his offensive output in terms of the assist side of things, um, you know, in terms of getting more minutes on the Mm -hmm. power play which is a good thing for him. And, you know, his zone starts are weighted more in the offensive zone and neutral zone versus the defensive zone, which clearly matches up with what his skill set is right now. But, uh, you know, if he winds up moving down the lineup, that is going to have to shift a little bit. And he needs a little more consistency. He's gone through um, some goal scoreless droughts of what, like seven or eight games. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a little more consistency on that too is, is part of um, something where I think that's, that is workable. Uh, That's something where, you know, the coaching staff has to kind of work with them and, and just, you know, keep him on, on an even keel because you don't want to be too up or too down. I know it's a cliche, but it's true with, with younger players. And, and last year we saw him get super frustrated after a while. And this year he hasn't been as frustrated. So that's good. Yeah. And then, you know, you think about what's next for him. We've talked about a bunch of things he does need to improve on and we'll see where he ends up at the end of this season. Uh, His contract has one more year on it. He's getting paid 1.5 million. And I would guess that if Chuck Fletcher's still around, he's going to resign with the Flyers. Like I, I can't imagine a situation where he doesn't, uh, but it will depend obviously on next year's output uh, to determine what that possibility would be and what that earnings might be. Like, I'm not even willing to take a shot at that right now. No, I'm not going to take a stab at it either. Cause I think the team is going to have some turnover and <clears throat> some other young players are going to go in there and you're going to see who he has chemistry with. And so there's, there's a lot of things going on there. I, I don't, the one thing I'll say is I doubt they're going to give him a long-term deal. Like even if he has a no. really good year, I don't think that's happening. Uh, you know, the cap is supposed to go up to that $90 million, uh, in a couple of years, but I don't know if they're going to spend the cap money that much on him. I think he's still going to have to earn it on the way up. And, you know, we'll see what, how much he earns it. Yeah, and he's, I would say almost zero chance that he gets traded at the deadline because I right. don't see a market for a guy like him right now. No, I, I agree. And they they do like him. He's low cost. So, and he's got cost certainty for next year and he's been improving. So I, I don't see why they would trade him. Yeah, I, I think he's he's good value right now for the Flyers. And it does give us, you know, the remainder of this season and next season to really see where he's going to settle out as an NHL player. Yeah, because, you know, that guy he's traded for is doing pretty good. And if they were to trade him, uh, it would create a stir. 
Yes. Yes, it would. <laughs> All right. Well, we were just talking about the trade deadline a little bit. That is around the corner. And so we're going to kind of go over the big picture lay of the land for the Flyers heading into the trade deadline coming up next. So Russ, we are now officially a month away from the NHL trade deadline. It's March 3rd. And I think the big thing, you know, from a 30,000 foot perspective for this trade deadline is that it could end up being a very slow one because nobody has cap space. Uh, 17 teams are in LTIR, you know, overages (laughs) on their cap. And there's not, uh, there are some top teams with cap space, but not a lot. And there's a lot of question marks in terms of the bottom end of the playoff race, who might get there. And so I'm seeing decisions not being made until the very last minute for those teams that are maybe looking to add that aren't the very, very top. Yeah, I do think there's something to that. But I do think like from a Flyers perspective, you have to be super aggressive like Jim Rutherford was in the Bo Horvat deal, because, again, as the time goes gets closer to the deadline some deals are going to be harder to make i mean i i was on a show with kevin allen and he's very well plugged in and there's a he's been talking and to gms and such and there's a feeling out there that there could be a point where even a good player just can't get traded because it's just even with retention and you know when i brought up james van reamsdyke you know he said he you know as good a player as he could be at times it's possible he can't, he might not even get traded. So that's going to be a point of contention uh, with the fans because, you know, if he doesn't get traded, then the fans are going to be on Chuck Fletcher. And the only way Chuck Fletcher could really turn that around is by doing it early. But his roadblock is the coach. When is the coach going to feel like it's the right time? But this is where he's going to have to really be assertive and say, listen, the market is what the market is. I, you know, I can maybe get a deal for him, you know, in the next week or two. If, if there is, we're going to have to do it. Like that's the kind of talk that's going to have to happen for Chuck Fletcher to be able to make some of these trades because it's not gonna, it's not going to be easy. Right. And I think the other conversation that's been out there a little bit is because of these, you know, various cap space issues, there's going to be a few teams that might act as go-betweens and eating, you know, partial salaries mm-hmm. to be uh, a source for salary relief to get some of these guys under the cap for the for some of the other top teams so a team like the ducks which has a tremendous amount of cap space right now arizona still has a ton of cap space they might act in that kind of way and we might do one but they don't generally add a lot so well they they might be losing jacob chikrin so yeah i just don't feel it's gonna happen i feel like that may be a draft thing I just don't feel like it's happening based on what they've been asking for. And so I think once the season ends, then teams will be willing to give up more. You're right. They could lose them, but I don't think it's happening yet. Um, But again, it's easy to look at these, you know, teams that haven't spent and say, well, they could spend and they could do this and they can, you know, do three way trades. But history tells us they, a lot of them don't do it and they don't spend. And so three way trades though, can be a, a reality and, and just that, you know, hockey trade kind of thing, like with Voracek for Atkinson could happen. Uh, but those kinds of trades are hard to match up. And those are the ones that do, do take a bit of time. One other interesting team in the conversation is the Buffalo Sabres, because they have 
a, a decent amount of cap space available to them. Right now they're out of the playoff hunt, but could they get back in it? You know, they've, they've had yeah, they're positive expected to add. Yeah. Yeah. They're ex- so they're they could add. add. They're going to, um, but nobody expects them to add more than one player though, because again, their, their ownership has been stingy as far as spending to the cap. So nobody thinks that they're going to uh, take players even for the rest of this year and spend the actual money to gain draft picks or whatever, because they have a lot of draft picks and they have a lot of young players. So, but they're likely to take one. And, and so we'll see, because again, they want to show their fan base that they're still trying to win this since they happen to be in the race, but I don't know if they're going to take two. And so that's, that's where we, you know, again, we, we run into trouble where there are teams that just don't want to spend to the cap for, you know, different reasons. And they've been one of them. From the the Flyers side of things, I think, you know, obviously JVR is the top player on the Flyers list to trade, right? In terms of priority, Mm -hmm. then kind of a second tier, you're looking at maybe Ivan Provorov. We had the discussion on yesterday's show on do you take offers on Travis Konechny? I think, you know, that's a discussion to be had. Um, Beyond that, Kevin Hayes is kind of a maybe, right? Because... Yeah, there's a team that I know is definitely interested in Kevin Hayes. So, uh, and and as a center, so that's the other thing here. Uh, John Tortorella has has hurt Chuck Fletcher a little bit by not playing Kevin Hayes at center because there's a need for centers out there. And again, Kevin Allen had said that uh, not only will teams take on centers, they will take them on them on centers with a little bit of term, but he's got three years of term at 7.1. So even a 50% retention is hard. But if you have that one team that wants him, even if you're getting less than what the Flyers expect to get, you should still mm-hmm. make that deal because the cap space is going to be worth much more to you in the future than the actual return. Like you just have to, that's how, you know, the Flyers front office is going to have to look at some of these things and, and we'll see. I mean, again, the also the prevailing thought is that Provorov probably does not move, and so yeah. just because it's you know the the interest isn't really there in him, that's that's really so. I, I think and and I know a team is interested in Ristolainen, and so again, be aggressive, see what's going on with that. Like that's what has to happen here right now, and should be happening even at you know the All Star break because everybody's at the All Star break. There's agents there. There's you know so exactly everybody can can talk about it and and try and see what kind of path they're on. But this is going to have to be the most aggressive Chuck Fletcher has ever been to get things done because it's it's not going to be easy and you can't get it done last minute. Yep. And I I don't think that's where Chuck Fletcher excels. I got to be honest. I know. No, I know that. And, 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 you know, look, his job may depend on it. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. You know, from a a non-Flyers perspective, I think, you know, things I'm keeping an eye on is where John Klingberg ends up, Timo Meyer, mm-hmm. and then if uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves end up leaving Chicago or not. Well, I mean, right now everybody seems to think Timo Meyer is going to the Devils, and there's good reason to think that they have young assets, and uh, Nico Hischier is good friends with them, so there's a good chance that the two Swiss could play together again. So. That's that's a uh, a real possibility. Klingberg could go any minute. Like there's nothing yep. holding him back. And if somebody's going to be aggressive, it probably will be with Klingberg because the offensive defensemen are hard to find. So exactly. I, I think that I think that could happen soon. Yep. 
All right. Well, we are going to wrap things up for today's show uh, at the All-Star Game. I'm going to also keep an eye on Bo Hayes. Uh, Kevin is bringing his nephew to all sorts of stuff. So that should be, be nice. a, a ton of fun to watch. And we'll recap everything that happens on Monday's show, along with a preview of the game versus I- the Islanders. We'll get to see Bo Horvat in an Islanders uniform mm-hmm. at that game, which uh, I'm very curious to see how that works out for the Islanders uh, after that big deal. And we'll have our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So you can uh, send us your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great weekend, everyone.